For more than 25 years, Deanna Batdorf has been disrupting the status quo of health. She is a passionate Ayurvedic practitioner, my body educator, and lymphatic specialist whose mission is to empower you to take control of your own wellness. Welcome to My Body with Deanna Batdorf, an Ask Me Anything podcast where Deanna gives you answers to your most pressing health and wellness questions. Along the way, Deanna will interview those who inspire her work as a holistic wellness practitioner, from birth workers to herbalists, yogis to MDs. You'll learn how to bring your body to a state of balance in this wild dance of life. Submit your questions on our website, dianaessentials.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. No question is TMI for Deanna to answer. Good morning. Good to see you on this fine March morning. I hope you are doing well. You have joined Ask Deanna Anything. I am Andrea, and I am accompanied today by Deanna Batdorf, who is an Ayurvedic and lymphatic and elemental practitioner and expert and teacher. She's here today to answer questions that have been sent to us and questions that you put in the chat here. We're so glad you're here, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, How are you doing today, Deanna? I'm doing really, really well. I myself personally received a three-day panchakarma, what I provide and have been providing for over 30 years, and I haven't had one since the pandemic. So it was a little two-year stretch without my annual health care. There's some great practitioners in our region that do panchakarma, not just myself. And I was well held And I was given a lot of good reflection for me to consider. And it's so fun to be in the hot seat because I'm usually the one, you know, consider this or try this and in witness and watching. And then I had these beautiful beings that I trusted and they were witnessing and watching me and touching my body and finding little details and little bits that needed to change and areas of pain that I wanted to get out of. And I didn't even know we're there. And it's the same thing I experience when a client's under my hands. They're like, what? I didn't know there was pain there. And it's like, yeah, and let's like work it out. So it was really powerful. Fantastic. Well Mm -hmm. deserved too. That's really great. And your first receiving Panchakarma in your yurt. Yes. I have not had a single treatment in my space. And it has now been here almost a year. So that was very powerful too, because I am digging on that space. And yeah, it was quite quite interesting to lay there in the dome of my yurt with this massive grandma Redwood, which is the same place I'll be teaching mm-hmm. on Friday, because my clinical course is just as exciting as getting a Panchakarma for me. Yeah. <laughs> my clinical assessment health detective course elementally designed, very powerful. And even if you miss this weekend, you could jump in next weekend exactly, and you wouldn't get too far behind because it's just the basics and we can fill you up with stuff to catch up. Highly suggest that also. And man, am I ready to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We've got that fun new video up on our YouTube channel 
where you are giving everybody a tour of the space and telling folks more about what they'll learn. So I invite you all to go check that out. We just posted it yesterday and it's really amazing to see the beautiful space and all the tools and special things that you have in your yurt. It's amazing. Thank you for making that. You did a great job. So I want to give you a little kudos to Andrea for really helping all the time. I sent her a whole bunch of random videos she asked for, and one of them was quite silly, but I still sent it. And then she found the perfect way to like weave it in and make it happy. So I just want to thank you for doing that for me along the way. Oh yeah, super fun. And it's, I never tire of seeing your backyard. Oh, oh geez. So <laughs> so I'm sure we have questions for the day. We do, we do. Our first question came to us through our website. So just want to remind you guys, you can submit questions through that. Uh, it comes from Alyssa who said, recently I had an MRI on my knee and was told I had damaged cartilage near the lateral tibia plateau. And this inflammation created a Baker's cyst on the back of my knee. What can I do to repair and restore the cartilage in my knee and reduce the cyst? A doctor mentioned steroid injections, but I know there must be other herbal or dietary supports I can try too. So what do you think? Okay, well, there's three directions we would actually go on this question. The first one that came up first, but I'm actually going to layer it last in like a protocol. Let's create like a little protocol because this is injury and it'd be really good to know how to address an injury in the right layers. It's a great question. So first off, the cartilage. I'm going to talk about it last and I'll explain why, but it's going to need what's called the trine of building blocks, which is hyaluronic acid, collagen, and lecithin. So these are going to be the primary needs for anything that is going to be tendon, ligament, cartilage, bone, and our byproduct of bone is hair, nails, and teeth. And so this is where I call it the trine of building blocks because they're literally about building blood cell structure and rebuilding ourselves. So that we'll get back to because that's the last thing we do in the healing is the rebuild. And this is also a good kind of heads up to anyone thinking about cleansing because the baker cyst, we're going to have to get it out of there. We're going to have to get it to move. And that's an excess buildup in a cystic form. And we need to move that just like if you were going to do a cleanse right now, you need to move all the bowels out of your intestines if you want that liver to excrete and heal. And so things have to be done in layers. And that's what this is a really good question of. The cyst needs to be released and it needs to be cleansed. And then the rebuild happens, the nourishing happens after that. So I think this is kind of the main thing. The only other question, or I said three things, is addressing how much pain this person might be in. And then there's a whole bunch of really good essential oils, which is the direction I'm going to go for pain, is going to be essential oils because they're quick. They're more further acting. You know, you can get a little further, a couple more hours with them, and they're just very effective. So the pain question comes up, even though it wasn't mentioned, because steroids were offered. So usually when you're offered a steroid, it doesn't really do any repair work. The steroid itself is really just for inflammation, which is the beginning of healing. So there is a time when I might say to someone, hey, if you don't think you can get more rest and change your diet and take these supplements, 
maybe you want to do one little round of steroid because everybody gets to choose. I'm not saying it's what I would maybe choose. I might put the time in, but that's not the truth for everybody or where you're at in your life. So sometimes you have to make that decision or someone will come to me feeling bad. Oh, I took the steroid. I kind of needed to beeline out of pain. Okay, now we can do all kinds of things from here. So you don't have to do that steroid again. But that's why that would be being offered. Okay, so now let's look at these three aspects. The first one, let's just stay with pain for a minute because it's a short conversation and it's the beginning of healing. So when we're in pain, we're not fully healing. And that's a very important point. So the less pain, the more healing happens and the less inflammation that'll be present or is talking really loud through pain. So nutmeg essential oil, you can use up to four drops a day. Sounds like a very low dose, right? Well, that stuff will put you to sleep <laughs> if you overuse it. So it is actually really good for insomnia. <laughs> also, one drop directly on the area of pain on that knee. Be kind of amazing how much pain you can get out of there. The other one, there's two more. Clary Sage, you can use a higher dose. You could do like 12 drops twice a day. And then the other one you can do in the same dose. 12 drops twice a day, marjoram. So marjoram is an antispasmodic that actually disperses the pain and gives it an avenue so it's not so localized. Clary Sage is more like putting a really calm, cooling blanket on the area. So it doesn't do as much dispersion, but it does this really good blanketing, kind of calming down effect. And then the nutmeg is a true analgesic. So it's going to be the one that is an sedative. So some people don't have a hard time using that nutmeg during the day and it becomes brilliant at night. You want to disperse things, maybe marjoram during the day, nutmeg by night, and then just change your drops a little bit on the marjoram, maybe eight drops instead of the 12 twice a day. So that's just a really good little pain zone to consider. Now let's move on to the cyst itself. So cysts, do need to get released. Think of them as like a cystic acne or like a pore that's clogged. It's just that it's a pocket. It's like an internal boil or an internal blister. And it's a pocket that your body formed. I don't want to say it is scar tissue. It's not. But it's almost in the same vein as your body came to your rescue and was having a pain or injury relation. And it makes this pocket and it fills it up with fluid. Now, sometimes people get cysts when they have high yeast in their body. And then that's a whole nother conversation of like yeast overgrowth, allowing secondary symptoms of a cyst to happen. And those could be any kind of cysts and I can find some yeast related. That's a no sugar diet, not so easy, but definitely a consideration if you want to look at that. But it, going back to this, how are we going to break it up? So it depends on how long the cyst has been there. If it's been there a really long time and also baker cysts in general have a very, very thick layer of tissue with a little bit of more sebaceous kind of emollient excess in the middle, which is very different than like your general cyst that is just full of fluid and you don't want it to get so old that it hardens. So baker cysts are, are tough and you need to soften the perimeter. So few things, I just mentioned this on my scar tissue class, but if you do a colon amok and castor oil and you put them together, you take the four ounces of colon amok that you can get on the Deanna Essentials store, take that whole four ounces that you get and put it in the four ounce caster that you get and you just mix them together, let them sit for at least a week 
And then you use that caster colonomach. You have to shake it every time. So you get a little bit of colonomach, but that makes a beautiful caster pack. Caster will break down. It actually is a bean. Uh, most oils are not made from beans. That's what makes caster special. And that bean has protein and the proteins have enzymes. And so it goes in and enzymatically breaks down tissue that is not of a natural state, like fascia is natural, adipose is natural, lipids are natural. And it goes in and breaks them up and softens the perimeter. And then you can actually move your cartilage, the kneecap, you can move it around because usually that cyst is right underneath. You start softening and pushing. You kind of soften and push and you drive the caster in. So yeah, caster pack. I'm not the biggest fan because you're like, do, 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 caster, do all the work. And it doesn't. And you have to do it over and over and over. What you really want, put that caster on there and drive it in with your finger or drive it in with the gua sha. And then you, the oil's gone. You absorbed it. Put more on. Drive it into the tissue. Put more on. Drive it into the tissue. And then you can always put a bunch of caster on there with a little flannel caster pack. But the key would be, and to get the most out of it, is you put a hot water bottle on top of your knee. Hot is really where caster is going to drive itself into that tissue. But I will say cysts are stubborn and you're not wanting to go in and do the old style. If you look up what is the remedy for a cyst at the turn of the century, you're going to find the word Bible thumping. <laughs> and literally they used to take the biggest book in their house <laughs> And they would slam it down on the cysts. They do that for gangling cysts. They do that for baker cysts. And they would just really thump it down. And they would pop the cysts so that it got relief. So I think that's a little intense and unnecessary. But they were getting the job done. And it does show us how you got to find where that cyst is. And you got to be willing to kind of push down on it. You get it really, really soft. And then you start pushing and then pushing or put the flat of the gua sha on there and press it down. And you're going to hit a little, whoa, pain. So you only want to do it a little, but basically you're trying to break up the perimeters and break up the fibers of that cyst pocket itself. So you can get that fluid out of there. So I'm going to give you an essential oil for cysts. I could probably make a more fancy custom blend. So you might want to think about a custom blend and do the questionnaire telling me what you want that blend for. And I would be able to make a blend that would be really specific. And we did just lower our prices on custom blends for the long term. So they're cheaper than they used to be. Let's see, what else would I say about this? The one essential oil wonder, though, if I wasn't making a blend, would be cypress and not blue cypress. You'd be doing just straight cypress essential oil, and I have available. You could probably do a good eight drops three times a day right on that cyst, and that would be brilliant. You might have to lower that dose again if you're also doing the pain oils. So just you want to play with your dose a little. We don't need to overuse those oils anyway. It takes a lot of plant matter and there's tons of medicine in a drop. So I always say respect the drop. Don't think you need 10 or 20 more. In fact, they might even overstimulate you and not do their job as well because oils will just go strong and sometimes they need a little time release. But cypress would be the way to go with anything cystic. Now, let's get to the trinohydration. Back to this lecithin, collagen, hyaluronic acid. So there's one place we get all of these, but you cannot be a vegetarian. And that would be bone broth and meat in general. 
has all of those. But bone broth specifically would be your most digestible, easiest way to get all of these. These can be bought in a supplement. And there is even a hyaluronic acid vegetarian on the market. So you might want to go looking for that. I'm sorry, I don't know the name. I, I'm really not that great with brands. Let's just be honest. But I do know is available. And you can also get dehydrated bone broth if you just need to like take a couple tablespoons and put some hot water on it. What you buy in the store and the bone broths that are fresh, they're going to be a stronger medicine. But it's nice to know you can have it in a simple form and you could just have a little adult, what I call the adult sippy cup at work, which often now is right in your living room next to the bone broth in your kitchen. <laughs> and we really just have to make sure it's around the computer where we're working. I keep my gua sha here. I got my salt water. I got my sippy cup, whatever I'm working on. And bone broth would be the way to go to rebuild cartilage. Two cups a day. And it would be chicken if you're going to that high dose. Do a light but high dose uh, bone broth. Then the other thing, where do we get lecithin? Lecithin we can get from sunflower seeds. We can get it from tahini, but there's more in sunflower. And we can also get it. You can buy lecithin granules. And we get it from runny egg yolk. This is the most common way to do it. You can get dehydrated egg yolk in capsules. I've seen them online. I have dehydrated an egg yolk and then chipped it off of its plate and you make your little egg yolk crystals. But it has to be runny egg yolk or raw egg yolk. And then there's tons of lecithin in there, which is how we rebuild the myelin sheath around the nerves. So it's the building block that's really specific. And by the way, this is kidney month. So this is a very important conversation because this is how we also rebuild blood supply. And that's what our kidneys do is filter blood and then feed it to our heart and then cycle it. So these are important building blocks for, for even this time of the year coming out of winter cold because it's very warming and nourishing. So yeah. Lecithin and runny egg yolk, sunflower, tahini. Where do we get collagen? We get collagen from any place that kind of mimics our meat, <laughs> our body, our tissues. And so that means we're going to get it mostly in fish and a little bit in eggs and you get it in meat and you get it in that bone broth. And unfortunately, these are not viable in like, for instance, I love seaweed, especially for kidney health. And as a just clean, clean fuel protein, seaweed is brilliant, but there's no fat content in seaweed. And these building blocks come from places where we have fat present. So that goes back to the fish, the meat. And then we also had the omega fats of those seeds and the omega fats that are in that runny egg yolk, which just become more saturated, the harder that egg yolk becomes, the more saturated fat it has. And I'm not saying saturated fat is bad. Yeah, I always have to make that disclaimer <laughs> that we need 15 to 20% of that every day just to function <laughs> and to see and to like respond and to go say, I wanna do a little exercise today or I wanna walk across the way. So we, we need that. So it's not that hard yolk is bad. You just don't get the lecithin if that's what you're trying to focus on. So that's our trying of, trying of building blocks. That's how we build our blood. That lymph and blood, that immunity and that blood supply is what feeds out to the muscles and then to the skin and then to the bones connected to cartilage and then to the nerves connected to maybe pain 
And the cyst, by the way, is in the muscle and skin layer. So it's connected to the cyst that's stuck in there and the bones that are too weak and the nerves that might be showing pain. And then our last tissue is reproductive. So that's what the building blocks are all about. And that's a beautiful place to put your electrolytes or your seaweed, which is full of electrolytes and more protein. It's just put a whole bunch of seaweed crumbles in that bone broth. Seaweed is really great on a runny egg yolk also, or you can do your gray electrolyte salt, which is how we build up our healthy blood volume. And we want to keep in mind, good salt straight from the earth, where water met earth, where minerals met other minerals and collided and made electromagnetic energy, made a salt crystal, is completely different in its function than table salt, iodized salt, or even what we call sea salt in maybe that's unrefined. So the moment you see sea salt in the bulk section, scrub with that, make a scrub. <laughs> but that's not edible salt to me because it's not an electrolyte. It's been rinsed of all of its minerals. And that's what I'm looking for in my salt is whole food. I'm looking for it in its whole form. And then it's a whole nother world. So that would be what I would look at for this question. And I think that was a great question for sort of, we don't want to do it all at the same time. So a really good point here, it's harder for the body to cleanse and nourish at the same time. There's ways I can be strategic where somebody needs it, but for the most part, it's not so easy or it's not so simple on the body to do one or the other. And even if you're going to go into a cleanse soon, because we're going to be in spring here very soon, even that starts if you look at my cleanse protocol, my three-month cleanse protocol, which is really just like spring cleaning for three months, really gently and effectively. It starts with hydration and making sure you're really nourished. And then you flush out those extra toxins then you cleanse out the other extra toxins that didn't get flushed out through hydration. And then you go into a deeper liver cleanse where the liver can release and has a thorough way to release. And, and it makes the liver cleanse way easier because it's not like struggling. You want me to excrete, but there's no room in the intestines. So like, what am I supposed to do? Your liver's the leader. It's not going to relinquish control until there's room for change. And so that's why we look at hydration, intestinal clearing, and then liver cleanse. And this is even part of this because most people don't get cysts unless they had some intestinal buildup and their liver needed some releasing of excess fire. So even how does someone get a cyst? We always look at the things that are maybe a little excess and fiery. Deanna Essentials products are organic, small batch, high quality self-care body products, as well as herbs and spices that deliver powerful food as medicine. Find them on DianaEssentials.com today. What a perfect segue to our next question. Uh, Noah joining us uh, in the chat and Noah asked, can you talk about cleansing and fasting? What does that look like for each dosha? Okay, cleansing and fasting. Okay, so first off, let's just do the fasting and let's talk about who who does this work for and who doesn't. And then there's all kinds of different levels of fasting. So 
there's the cold turkey fasting and you're going to need support and you're going to need to do it with someone or with some guidance. Fasting beyond three days on kind of nothing or only water is actually a big deal. And it's a big shock to a body that's never done it before. So that I think I'm not going to really try to explain on how to do it because I think it's tricky business, but there's all kinds of other fasting. I love intermittent fasting is like a game changer for me and my low metabolism. <laughs> so if you have any kind of kapha wet, which means there's excess, that could be excess water weight, that could be excess fat cells weight, that could be excess congestion from like having a virus or coming out of winter or getting sick. Any kind of wet excess that might be there is where we would talk about intermittent fasting. And that's the low metabolism person. And that really means you are just kind of doing a little bit of a enzymatic starvation process. That's how I like to look at it. <laughs> You're forcing your enzymes to really burn off what is there when your body is empty of food. So you're going to burn more fat cells versus your body using its metabolic and enzymatic process to break down food that is in your body. So this is that idea of fasting and, and starvation in general is this idea that you are going to burn off your tissues. The only thing is some people who really like to fast are called vata and they're thin and they're dry and they're cold. And that is the last person who even in Ayurveda, that's the last person you want to be doing any kind of intermittent fasting or fasting in general. They actually are calmer and it is an anti-anxiety remedy for you to put in probiotics and flora and build the lining of the stomach and make sure there is food in your body because anxiety is a metabolic rev. These people need grazing. They need little bits, like one Anjali, one handful. This is a meal. Your two hands are your meal. We never do more protein than the palm. Everything else is considered vegetables or carbohydrates because vegetables are the biggest group. And you would do one Anjali six times a day. Or if you're even a little more hungry, you might need some fruit in between. So Vata really isn't designed for fasting. They're designed for like keeping enough food in there to deal with their really high metabolic rev. Pitta is considered the person who can do fasting, just like the kapha, but it has to be pitta, not when they're burning themselves to dry, because come on, pitta is water and fire. Fire alone is not okay. That's why it's fire and water. They work together. Assimilation turns to liquid, has to be absorbed. If somebody's gotten so pitta that they're dried out, crash and burn, then that's just boiling water that's evaporated and they're actually more dry. And that's not the fasting pitta. The pitta that can do fasting is the pitta who's maybe having skin conditions, showing excess, having oily gallbladder issues. They want to do a liver cleanse. So the more detox the pitta needs, because its job is to break down toxins, but if too many are going in, it just can't do it all. And it starts getting built up with toxicity. And that's when you could be doing that three-day fast. But if you looked at it Ayurvedically, it wouldn't be a true nothing fast. The pitta would get vegetable juicing. So they get the cucumber, zucchini, celery, the yellow beet, cilantro, ginger, 
bok choy, green apple for malic acid. These are all brilliant things that you can make a veggie juice with. That's the only fruit I would do. We're talking about veggie juice, except for that green apple. It's special. And, and that would be more what they would do. So there, for me, I'll do a, a, a day fasting on the regular and it'll just way help my metabolism or I'll do intermittent fasting for a month or two and it will help me with my metabolism. But if I feel more toxicity or I can start tracking things I've eaten or things I've chosen to do and I'm like, I might want to do a little detox, then I know that vegetable juicing is going to be the way to go. So what I'll have them do or myself, I'll make a whole quart of this veggie juice. And that is breakfast because there's enzymes and it's going to metabolically get things just really working. You're adding more to that intermittent fasting enzymatically actually. And then I'll have them eat a salad at lunch And then I'll have them do veggies and a protein at night. And that might be seaweed and veggies. That might be fish and veggies. That might be meat and veggies. Depends on their constitution. Connected to their pitta needing to detox. So vegetable juicing is the way to go into a detox. And it's a great way to do kind of a mild fast. You're being a minimalist on the food zone. And you're only putting good catalyst foods in there. So... That would be the key. And then I'm going to go back to, and maybe we could put the link in here if you want, Andrea, but I have this beautiful three month fast that is for all doshas because it's about hydration first, four things to do. You keep doing those in the second month and you add four things that are intestinal clearing. Then on the third month, you keep doing the hydration, the intestinal clearing, and you add in a six day liver cleanse, or you do just four remedies there. And you do them for another month. And it's just a build upon. They're easy. You can break them down into AM, PM. I really wanted to make a cleanse that was more slow all spring long or all fall long. And allow someone to still go to work and still have a life and not freak out on their friend or partner or children. <laughs> and, uh, and that was tridoshic. So like really going to be good for all. And, uh, and there's no better way to detox than to do hydration and, and flush things out. It's a great way to clean is by water and flushing versus like stripping yourself out. And then you feel dry. Cause this is what happens. People over detox without enough hydration, they push on their body to strip and give it up and release it out. And it's too intense. And then the body goes into dry reaction, anxiety, And then the person's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Maybe I should do another cleanse. When really the something wrong is that they didn't rebuild their system after such a deep cleanse or they didn't hydrate during the cleanse. So that's my advice for spring cleaning is going to be to really look at that. Now let's maybe, what are some of my favorite like diets, even though I'm not a big diet person, but like paleo is really a great diet. Though I do think there's a little much meat eating in there. I think you should add clean proteins in there. I'm not so excessive in meat that way. So I'm going to be a little bit more like keep the meat to a, a, a palm and make the rest all veggies. Your thumbs are the amount of fat, saturated fat you need. This is how they look at their meal. Really good for kapha, keeping them stable and also causing a sloughing reaction. So I think that's great. Raw food, who is the raw foodist for cleansing? 
It's not Vata because raw is roughage and it's too alkaline cold. And yes, too alkaline. If you're cold, you don't need more cold. Pitta. Pitta could be juicing all day long and living on salads. And in a month's time, they would totally cleanse themselves out. Also, you know, who should be vegetarian? Kapha. Wet. That's the person who does great on vegetarian. And can I get them on seaweed salad and raw salads? And maybe they get some quinoa. It goes a long way when you don't have any other grains, but it works great for them. And then what does it look like to cleanse a vata? That's the hydration. So it's going to be everything in a soup. It's going to be more cooked food and then juicing the more pungent vegetables. So the key to a cleanse for vata is pungent. Arugula, watercress, basil. Cilantro's cooling, but it definitely has enough action to help vata. Adding in cinnamon. Tons of ginger if you're going to make a cucumber juice. So they need everything wet because they're the ones who truly need to flush everything out versus strip themselves dry when they're already dry. So hopefully that gives a good picture here of just some different forms of diets and cleansings and how it might fit for anybody watching. That is fantastic. I've actually been eating vegan myself for the past week or so, coffee wet right here. And it's just been incredibly easy and I'm just naturally delicious and awesome. So there's definitely some truth to that for sure. Oh, that's great. You can still do your Colin Amok cashews. Yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> do the honey. <laughs> the God way instead. Yeah. <laughs> Submit your questions on our website, dianaessentials.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. So our next question uh, is about ozone therapy. Our listener had learned about this a few years ago and was recently turned back on to its healing capabilities. They say, I have to be honest, I'm super intrigued, but cautious knowing my pit in nature to push myself too much with some healing protocols. I would love to know what you have to say and share any experiences you may have with this therapy. They particularly love how you're all about building and nurturing and getting juicy rather than detox, detox, detox. So one question that also comes up is, do you see ozone as depleting or potentially damaging to the microbiome with excessive use? Well, I do have personal experience with ozone. So I will start and preface this with how much ozone changed my life. When I lived in San Francisco, it was in my early days from age 18 to 23 before I left to India. I was working with Dr. Ling and, and doing a lot of work with an acupuncturist and, and gua sha care and tissue care through Chinese medicine. And I was also getting treated by somebody who had a sauna and a hot tub in their basement and an ozone machine. And you would go in there and he would teach all the different ways to do the ozone and you would be able to do them however you wanted to do and then get in the sauna and the hot tub. And I just remember this. I was like, that was such a good setup. And it really gave me some sanctuary in the city, but it changed my inflammation in huge ways. And it was probably one of the I'd say there's two things I got out of it that were pretty wow. And first was ozone is an alkalizing 
ionized kind of chemistry that gobbles up acidic cells and cells that are already broken down in their structure. So it's really good for killing or sloughing off die off with people who have yeast or maybe live with herpes or things like that, viral loads. So that's the first thing. And it just shifted my allergies. So skin and allergies were the two things I way got out of it. But I hit a wall, especially since there was kind of a very open forum. <laughs> it's kind of like, put some up your nose, do some in your ears, suck some in your mouth, little yoni if you want. And it was a pretty free use. use. I figured out my dosage pretty quickly. I'm actually, even though I'm pretty spontaneous and anything goes, I'm a little more conservative with my plants and remedies, always have been. I want to see how little can I use for them to work. It's always been this challenge I've had. And so I was even doing it back then. But I noticed, I remember I did too much in my nose and it cracked open some blood vessels and I had a bloody nose. And so then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do as much of there. And I did some in my mouth. And this goes to one of the main questions here. And I noticed that it kind of dried out my esophagus and my throat. I did not really know about microbiome at that time in my life. Many years have gone by <laughs> and it wasn't my focus. So I can't tell you if it dried out my stomach or not. It did dry out my esophagus. So I feel like if you're doing ozone through your mouth, you really got to think about your microbiome. That's kind of the key here. And it really is just a few. You want to do three. You want to do three little hits on that ozone and that's it. And you got to trust it. Again, low dose. You got to trust this ozone is working. Just like you have to trust the chemistry that is in the volatile gases of essential oils. You got to trust the drop. You got to trust that little tiny bit. And you got to go back routinely. So it's not a one-time thing or you're just never going to know what it does. So you have to do a little bit at a time. I was on once a week and it felt like plenty. I've had a few people who went up to three times a week and they dried out and I've seen it each time. I've seen two times a week work with really major inflammatory issues like eczema all over your body versus just on your elbows. So I would think about it that way. And I like the ozone that gets infused into enema water or doing ozone where you infuse your douching water. And the reason I like it there is because it's in a water medium and it's just not hydrating, dehydrating. Like I've never seen it do anything other than good. And I do have people do douching when they have ovarian cysts or a cyst on their cervix or maybe cervical dysplasia, many things that are inflammatory in the female reproductive or maybe they have endometriosis in their uterus, or maybe they have endometriosis, which is that bacteria growing outside of the uterus in the omentum cavity. So I've used it for so many things in vaginal bacteria. It's called vaginosis. And you can do a pretty high concentrate and then douching. And this is not a stripping douche. So we're back to thank you so much for saying you love nourishing. I'm just really not into stripping out the yoni or the colon either. So I'm more about doing like a seaweed tea. You ozonate it and you are just using this highly mineralized enzymatic blood and tissue building and you put the alkaline ozone right in there and it is just perfect. Let the douche do the cleansing. That little fountain goes up to your cervix 
and then clears you out and creates downward motion. That's why we can even use it for ovarian cysts because it will create a downward motion of the reproductive system. And if that cyst is able to release, it'll pull it down and calm it down. Anytime we have high flare, we need to calm down. We even say that, right? Calm down. <laughs> so that means inflammation is up. So we got to take it down. So I like it in water mediums. I know a lot of people doing like ozone in their drinking water. So I think about that. I haven't talked to anyone about it. So I'm only going to give opinion right now, but it feels a little bit unnecessary if you took it into your orifices in small dosages, it feels a little unnecessary. I, I can understand how it would alkalize your water, but I do want to remind you that if you alkalize all your water, you actually don't get the same mineral content and the natural electrolytes and it makes it more dry. So it makes your water more dry. So I think ozone a little bit like sparkling water. <laughs> That's going to sound silly, but you added air, you added alkalized oxygen molecules, and that makes the water more dry. We know sparkling water is more dry. So that would maybe be my idea, but enemas and douche, love it. I think it's a beautiful medium for it. And I am a fan. It was very life-changing for me, but I do want to mention I did overdo it and it dried me out like crazy. And then I took a break and I did it again and it didn't dry me out. I just did small amounts once a week. And I feel like it was a huge game changer in my Pitta inflammation. So I am a fan, very much so. <laughs> I've never heard of ozone therapy. So maybe if you could just describe what it is. Oh boy, I don't want to mess it up. I don't know if I can do that on the fly. And oh. I mean, basically it's oxygen. If I was going to put it in a really simple form, ozone is like making oxygen molecules that then drive themselves into the cells. So and like so, it, it's, well, and it's a gaseous form of three oxygen molecules binded together. So it's just, it's coming out through like a tube. Yes. Got it. Exactly. And some people, the machine makes it in water and then you can just use that water. So some people who do ozone will actually make that water for you. And then you can go home and do a douche or an enema. I know some people use it in colonics. I haven't found anyone locally, but I think it would be a great combination with colonics. Slightly off topic, but I heard that in thunderstorms, right before a thunderstorm, it makes ozone in the air. So like if you're in a thunderstorm prone area, you're getting free ozone therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's like if you go to the ocean and take some deep breaths, you're getting free electrolytes. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Nature provides. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we got to breathe to take it in though. <laughs> right. Us That's humans, true. we have such a hard time breathing that right. we actually get oxygen. And to be honest, our breath is kind of the ozone we got. Yeah. Because yeah. all of sure. this reaction and all of this electromagnetic chemistry in the elements in our body, it's all kind of built in but we suck it in and suck it up. And then we're not expanding it and collecting oxygen and then sending it to the brain, mm -hmm. relaxing on the exhale. So we actually could kind of create our own ozone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, deep breaths in the, the most clean and natural air you can find is probably driving all kinds of amazing nutrition into your body um, through your lungs. Yep. 
It's one yep. of the most beautiful things about being out here in Occidental. Exactly. So we've I got a little time. Can you talk about clinical a little bit? We're still enrolling. And if you're kind of down to the wire thinking about it, we want to make it happen for you. And, and we've got payment plans. But if you're still kind of like, exactly what am I going to get? Deanna, why don't you tell us more about it? Well, first off, I've been teaching it for 28 years and two times a year up until two years ago. So I actually got a little two year break and I'm going to be honest, it felt kind of good. <laughs> it just, you know, like why not take a breather and kind of reassess, but it also just, I can't wait too much longer. Like I had to just do this. I don't even know if it's like the most perfect timing in the world or what, but I just have to get back to it because it's extremely important. And it's just my head and my heart just wants to help people be their own health detective. You can come to it for personal reasons and just being able to track symptoms and assess yourself to be able to take care of yourself. And it's got all the remedies, all the body work and how to touch yourself, all the things you need to take care of yourself. But there are also all the things for a seasoned practitioner. You may want to become just a practitioner doing this, or you might want to go more therapeutic as a body worker or a massage therapist, or maybe you want to go more therapeutic as a yoga teacher. But if you do have a practice already out in the world, it is still extremely useful because I'm teaching things that just are hard to learn and find anymore. They're even hard to find in Ayurvedic colleges because there's more standardization. And so I'm, I'm a little bit broader in that way. I'm still teaching pulse actively. You don't have to become a pulse master, but pulse helps you to learn how to track the body. The stomach affects the small intestines. The small intestines affect the colon. The colon affects the tissues. You're learning how to track the body in the way that it actually stays healthy or actually the way it goes into decline and how you're going to get back to healthy. So for a practitioner, there is just some brilliant tools here, how to read the face, how to read the tongue, how to check the pulse, how to teach someone how to do their own body work, how to touch appropriately and really go into some therapeutic trauma relations or how to move the lymph. I do so much lymphatic care in here. It really brings it home on why is it important, this gut and head relation, and then why is it so important in this lymph river meets the bloodstream and how that feeds the rest of the body out. I mean, we are an ecosystem. We are a full-on ecosystem. And if you can see that the dam in the river is affecting a flooding back of water and there's no water on the other side of the dam, no different than how we tick. So the whole thing has got just a little bit of a permaculture slant. I'm not going to say I'm teaching permaculture, but most permaculturalists are like, whoa, you're talking my language, but you're talking body. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's because we're talking about the inner terrain and our inner ecosystem and how our ecosystem works as an ether, air, fire, water, earth entity. So we are elemental not just our surroundings. We are elemental. And the whole course is based on elemental foundations. So I go beyond Ayurveda. It's not just an Ayurvedic course. I will always respect Tibetan and Ayurvedic medicine because they are my foundations. But I look around global and I look for the common denominators globally. And I'm really into that. So whatever works, 
and whatever is coming out of any country, it's about a, being appropriate and respecting my teachers. Where did I learn it? Respecting the culture that I'm speaking from, and then really respecting my deepest foundations, 30 years, I'm 31 years now, Ayurvedic practitioner. And so that's really where I'm coming from. But yeah, we go through some beautiful topics and, and just how do you implement this in your career? And how do you implement this maybe in your personal life? Or what if you want to be a practitioner to your family? Because that's a lot of people who come to my class. I'm lucky I get full on seasoned herbalists or practitioners or nurses. And then I get like other people doing Ayurved, but they want my perspective. A lot of people know Ayurveda who come to my course. They want the nitty gritty clinical aspects that really allow you to be in relation to your client or even be in relation to your children. I've got a lot of mamas that come to my class and I just want to really put a shout out for male identified, <laughs> please. <laughs> and I have that in this course, but I'm just always like, ah, oh, I just want all humans to come. I love diversity. I believe in diversity. You bring whoever you are to this class and you get to be who you are and you get to develop from there. And that is powerful. But I do like the ability to have a good balance of masculine and feminine come into my class. And, and that can look in so many hundreds, thousands of ways, because those are things that are personal and how we see ourselves in the world and how we want to be in the world. So come one, come all. But I do put a shout out for those that maybe feel like you don't fit in in, in communities. And if you feel that way, I kind of am going to be like, I think there's not going to be a problem here. <laughs> I think you'll fit in because you're here and we're all going to be learning out of healing each other. And a lot of healing happens in my courses. I mean, people come to class sometimes even a little bit sick and they're like, I want to be here, but I don't know. And I'm like, hey, let's use you as an example. Let's get some cuppings on your back and see if we can get you out of pain. You know? <laughs> so I enjoy people learning to heal themselves as they're learning how to heal other people. And that's probably one of the most precious pieces. The other thing is you get a two hour body work session because we all work on each other at the end of class. So there's a lot of good bonuses here too. Plus I lowered the price way down because I felt we needed it in COVID times. I thought it was important to make it a more reasonable price and it's got a more extended payment plan. That way, hopefully it'll make it happen for you. Yeah. And I want to tell you, we've got a couple of your past students here in chat. Yeah. We've got Rachel Balansat and Hilary Mendoza are here, and they are just throwing about how wonderful your class has been and the Panchakarma that you did and all these lovely things. So it's so great to see you two here. Look Rachel at this. Hilary. I love you all so much. Hillary. somebody was just giving me an update on you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, that's great. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Rachel, you rocking it. This is your time of year with cleansing, eh? This is so beautiful. I'm 
I'm just so thankful to have so many incredible people who come and study with me. I cannot even believe it. Like I think about the students that are coming to study with me starting tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Like there's one of my students who I'm like, why are you coming to study with me? You are crazy brilliant. Please feel free to bring your knowledge to class. Yeah, yeah. Amazing herbalist. And I'm like, why? And she's like, what? Why not? Like, come on, you have a lot to offer. But I'm just like, mm -hmm. wow. Every class is like that too. It's like they're they're all under your tutelage and they've got their own brilliance that they share with this group. And then everybody's friends and it's amazing. I know. I mean, Hillary and Rachel both, they already have their backgrounds and then decided to continue studies with me. And I'm like, wow, thank you. I know what that takes. I've gone to school too. <laughs> so I know what it takes to kind of take on an extra teacher when you've already had teachings. And just a, another little shout out on clinical, but one of the main questions that comes up a lot in my clinical course is, I want to go to a school and, and graduate in Ayurved. I want to become like, official and go to a college for Ayurved, but I also want to study with you. So what do I do? And I'm always like, you know what, to be honest, they're both great. It depends on, do you want kind of user-friendly, really intimate client interaction? If you want that to get started right now, I'm your teacher. Cause like, that's where I'm at. And we'll be going back to clinical too, for anyone who wants to be interning. So that'll be the next step in my coming back to life. <laughs> will be redeveloping internship. So those opportunities to be with people in their time of need on an intimate level with professional boundaries is a really big deal. We do have to make connections, but also have our boundaries. And I'm great at that. But some people had somebody in email me who just graduated from Mount Madonna and they were like, teacher. That's what so many people say when they email me. They're all, hi, teacher. <laughs> And she said, I don't know if I'd have made it through my four-year school if it wasn't for taking your courses prior. Because I was able, and there was somebody else in her class who studied with me too. There's usually a couple at Mount Madonna every year who studied with me. And they're like, we had to explain a lot of things because they were just being given in very directed formats. And it wasn't really clinically, how do you flow? What's the, how do you flow with this in the world? And that's my thing. And I was like, thank you so much. And then I've had other people who are like, whoa, I'm so glad I did Mount Madonna, but now I'd like, I have to put in more time and that's a bummer and more money. That's a bummer, but they don't know how they're not sure how to quite flow into their own practice. So that's where I shine. And I hope everybody's out there doing it like Rachel and Hillary, because they are, they're out there doing it. They have practices and, and they're, they're spreading the word and, and interweaving the things they already knew before me. I just think exactly. it's exactly what they're recording. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about how they both wish they could continue to study with you, which is definitely something that you are uh, planning for and thinking about, I know you've talked about really wanting to hear what do students want to learn? So I know there's like next steps that will be happening. Well, just so y'all know, if you are one of my students listening to this or watching this, like Rachel and Hillary, you can come jump into this class. Like you should look at the schedule online. 
I did make an offer to all students that you could redo the whole class as a student for $9.99. <laughs> so there's that. Like that's the nice little, you could do a payment plan for 12 months and that would be no big deal. But if you do want to drop by, every one of my students knows. If you see some topic I'm teaching and you want to come on down and jump in, all you got to do is email me because everyone knows my email. It's it's not a mystery, <laughs> but you could email me and you can just be like, hey, what's your address again? I want to come to class on Sunday. Come on down. And you may even meet a couple students who need a practitioner because I can't handle the load alone. <laughs> I really can't. We need to all be working together. So feel free to join me. Yes, uh, nothing would be better for sure. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, certainly come join in tomorrow. That's when the course begins. And if you still are kind of, oh, I'm not sure, you can still come in later. If you miss this first weekend, that's not a problem. We can catch you back up. So don't worry about that. There's a link in the chat to register. And if you've got questions, certainly email education at dianaessentials.com and we can get those questions answered for you. Otherwise, please make sure that you are subscribed to our channel on YouTube to get updated videos and really interesting content. And please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you come up with a question, before our next live stream, email it to us or submit it on our website and Deanna will answer it for you. So any one more thing. Yes. Students Unite. Yes. Friday, first Friday of every month is a two hour round table that I'm doing for students. But you could just be a practitioner who wants to jump in and see what my students and I are talking about. So you could be any, anybody could be a student really, but it was designed primarily for my students for like an hour of client interaction conversation. And how would you track something on a pulse or what direction would I go? And then an hour on business development. And we did it back in February. We did our first one and it was really brilliant to see how many people showed up. A lot of important questions came up around business and pricing and interaction and boundaries. And it was really fascinating. So April is free. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, April is free. And even when it's not free, it's only 35 bucks for two hours of my advice. So Rachel, Hillary, everybody, I really hope y'all join me for that. And then we get to see each other in our beautiful faces. It's so fun. If you so, need that Zoom link, um, email us at education at dionaessentials.com and we can send you the Zoom link for that. All right. Thank well, you all. Thank you. Great to see everyone. And I love you as much as you're showing me you love me. So that is just really pretty amazing. Thank you. This is My Body, a conversation situated at the intersection of elemental science, self-care, ancient arts and consent. Deanna Batdorf is your guide.